I said, I said, that's a sign of maturity and wisdom. So, so I said, is Grandma old? No, Grandma's not old. Later on around the table, she said, Grandpa, you're wise and old. <laughs> and I thought, what an astute young child. On such young shoulders, these insights into So, right, this morning we're starting a new series, Colossians, Rooted in Truth. And I've been given a particular scripture to read, which I've never had to preach on, but it's one of the foundation readings of my youth. And my subject this morning, if it works, is the arrow over that side. There we go. Is infinity and beyond. And um, I want to read you a a quote from C.S. Lewis, one of my favourite authors. Mm, sort it's gone off. Oh, it's gone on now. You've got to press the button, have I? And C.S. Lewis wrote some incredible <laughs> allegory books. And I can remember seven years old, Mrs. Miss Boeing in Spinney School reading me the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And he says this, he said this, We may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. And when I read that, I thought, that's quite incredible. Just imagine me going to a packed Leicester Square, walking around and suddenly saying, Look, there's Barry Wales! It's never going to happen, is it? I'm just thinking, nobody knows what, no incognito. But that's that fact that God parades around the whole of this earth and very few people know who he is. And to do my talk today, we've got to do some theology. And theology is studying God. And this person said this, theology is simply the study of God and God's relation to the world about eternal life and daily life. And all it means is learning about God through the Bible, the inspired word, and that challenge. And of course, if you're somebody like me who's had to scholarly learn the word over the years to preach it to you and teach you, it's a lot, and I'm still learning. Joel Austin said this, faith is about trusting God when you have unanswered questions. No matter how much I study the Bible and prepare talks and read it, I still have those basic unanswered questions. God, why don't you answer all my prayers? God, why don't you do that? God, why don't you come now? I can't take any more. Why, why, why? Sometimes God gives me an answer. You know, the guy at the front says, just pray to God and he'll answer your prayers. And I go, well, that's not my experience of God. He doesn't always answer my prayers. Or, I have a prayer need. I put it on the, the WhatsApp group, intercessory prayer. Then just in case, I put it on the men's WhatsApp group. Because I can get more people praying for me. Surely to goodness, God will answer my prayer. But why didn't he? Is it because you lot don't have enough faith? And you start getting all these unanswered questions and the, he says, faith, trusting in God. And my simple theology is this, it's God and me. And if you listen to my previous talks, I always pull out verses that are personal to me about my walk with him. And in looking at the Bible, I want to read you Psalm 113. The Lord is exalted over the, all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? 
And that verse scares me. Simply because I just can't imagine this God. I can't conceive him so big looking down that I don't see the relevance to me. I'm being honest because it's so miles away. And I talked about God and me. And when I was 16, I learnt this verse here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son. That's God. And then me, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's the first bit of his theology I learned. The fact is that God sent his son for me. I could do a month of Sundays on this, this verse alone. The depth of what's being said, but as a 16-year-old and a 69-year-old, it still blows me apart that God could come down to earth and look after me. And as I start this talk, I have to make a personal confession. Louise has given me permission to say this, and um, I am quite nervous about saying it because I'm not sure how you're going to react. Um, I'll just put it on the board, I think the best thing is. <laughs> Some of you can identify what it is to be an accountant. It's a very special position. Um, I still do the financial accounts for the church into the company's house in a certain form, charity commission in a certain format, and I just love numbers. Um, it's interesting, when I was a, a, a teenager, I knew that one inch, 12 inches made one yard. Uh, 220 yards made a or one yard, one, 12 inches made one foot, three feet made a yard, 220 yards made a furlong, eight furlongs made a mile, 1760 yards made a mile. We all knew that, didn't we? Now it's 10 millimeters make a centimetre, 100 centimetres make a metre, and 100 metres, 1,000 metres make a kilometre. How often do I go, 25 millimetres make one inch, and I'm converting 4.546 litres into gallons. I still to the conversion. Why is it I buy pints of milk, but litres of Coca-Cola? It is so confusing. It's almost confusing as understanding God. And, you know, when I went into accounts over 50 years ago, I was dealing with thousands. Then, later on, I dealt with millions and multiple millions, and now we have billions and trillions. In fact, there's even a thing called zillions, an unspecified large number. And being an accountant is quite a privileged, all-powerful position in companies. Now, my first manufacturing job when I was 30, we made garage equipment, trolley jacks, cranes, tyre-changing machines, the bare metal comes in, we had design office, there were guys sitting at boards. I went in one day and this guy was sitting there with his pencil poised and I said to him, what are you thinking about? He said, what am I going to have for dinner tonight, he said. <laughs> and, that, and they were designed production control to production departments. We had men welding, fabricating, a tool department, CNC lays producing components, producing hydraulic pumps, all the rest of it. Then we had the sales and marketing team, salesmen around the country with their particular regions, an export manager exporting to the Commonwealth and Empire at the time. And then you had my finance team. 
Also, the warehouse was under the finance director as well. I had that. And I would produce the monthly statements against the budget and show the variances. I'd be plotting the movements in the balance sheet, looking at the... I can see you getting excited now, aren't you? Looking at the cash flow, looking at overhead recovery rates, plotting my... You know, every three months doing a forecast at the end of the year. Dave, don't, don't nod off yet. I'm finished yet. Um, then every six months, we did a, a three-year and five-year forecast. I just like dealing with numbers. But now I look at billions. You know, the government says we're going to spend 22... Labour says we're going to spend 22 billion on going green. I'm sure grass doesn't cost that much from saying home base. And trillions. It actually blows my mind. When I look at... in as you know, February the 2nd is coming up in Congress in the United States. That's the deadline. They've got to, they've got to increase, the, increase the cap of their expenditure. Basically, as a company, they would be bankrupt. Companies don't run out of orders. They run out of cash. And it's a different world. And then, of course, where do you stop with numbers? Because you can just keep on going. Affinity does not exist. It's not a number. It is a massive great concept. And I read in the Bible this, in Psalm 147, verse 5, Great is our Lord, and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Quite a few versions say, God's understanding is infinite. I actually cannot grasp that. Because what it's saying is, God has no measure. Somebody said this about God, the infinite God. God has no limits. God has no boundaries. God has no constraints. His infinitude is measureless. Infinitude, the state or quality of being infinite, having no limit. And actually that makes more sense, having no limit. But to try and contain God in my mind has always been a struggle for me. It's so large and so massive that how come this God of the universe understand me. To get through you lot and then have time left for me seems hard to imagine. So when God sent his son Jesus, it made so much sense to me. Because I can understand him as a man. I can understand the constraints he had being in human form. And actually, I can count to one. 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 0 0.8, 0 0.91. I can count that. And being an accountant, I like to have a bit more detail. Two decimal places. But the fact is, this concept of God being so great, Jesus made sense for me as a young man all through my life because I don't have a picture in my mind what he looks like, but I understand a man who happens to be God, of course. When I watch him in the Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, I can relate to the parables. I can relate to his teaching. It means something to me. When I go through Acts of the Apostles and I see the church is being created, I can relate to it because it's something within my understanding that I as an accountant can measure. Because when I produce my accounts, I was always right. No matter what the production director said or the sales director, everybody looked at my figures. It's a, a work of art when I presented my spreadsheets to the main board when the executives came in. And the thing is, I was taught not to accept things in the whole of my business life, to be, um, what's the phrase, 
unbelieving when I was given a set of figures. I was a school governor for a short time and the head and the de head and deputy headmaster presented the GCS results, not, you know, is it one to three and all the rest of it. And they proudly handed the spreadsheets round the table. And I said, excuse me, I hope you haven't sent these figures out. And the deputy head, Mr. Wales, he said, why do you say that? I said, they're wrong. Mr. Wales, can I just point out to you that we have a computer in the office. We download from the education ministry the figures onto our computer. That is then put into this tablet of which you've been given. I said, okay, would you mind adding up the first column? He went, they're wrong. The figures are wrong. Because I was always told not to trust spreadsheets. I was sceptical all my life. That was my training, to be not to believe what I see until I could prove it with those magical figures of a spreadsheet, with those counts with an income and expenditure statement, a cash flow forecast for the next 10 years, and it was just beautiful. And I can count Jesus. Mathematically, as an accountant, I can justify Jesus in my mind. That means nothing to you. But to me, with my experience of life, it's become so important. And I come to my reading, and I've chosen to read it in the Good News Version, which is the teenagers, what I had it in. It's Colossians 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible likeness of the invisible God. He is the firstborn Son, superior to all created things, for through him God created everything in heaven and on earth, the seen and the unseen things, including spiritual powers, lords, rulers and authorities. God created the whole universe through him and for him. Christ existed before all things, and in union with him all things are of their proper place. He is the head of his body, the church. He is the source of the body's life. He is the firstborn son who was raised from death in order that he alone might have the first place in all things. I now have a problem because my... It doesn't work. Is he not saying that Jesus is just like God? And I've said I can count him. I can see him. The problem is you lot don't understand infinity, do you? You're not accountants. You just haven't... It's plain, it's obvious, isn't it? Now, I put one zero, naught point zero. I could put ten zeros and go zero point zero 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 one. Then they go zero point zero 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 two. I could put a hundred zeros before the first one. I could put infinite zeros before it. There is infinity between 0 and 1. Somebody said, but is the infinity between 0 and 2 greater than the infinity between 0 and 1? And I thought, that's an interesting question. But suddenly, my accountancy of numbers still works. God is infinite, and yet he made himself to a degree finite in a manly flesh that helped me. And when I go on to read it, it suddenly starts to make sense. For it is by God's own decision that the Son has in himself the full nature of God. Through the Son, then, God decided to bring the whole universe back to himself. God made peace through his Son's blood on the cross and so brought back to himself all things both on heaven and earth. And I suddenly got the first sense of God.
Robert Schuller said this, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. Now just think about that. Yes, you can, we call them pips in English. You can count the pips, but when God sees a seed, he can tell you how many apples are going to be produced from it. And I can just about grasp that. This God is so measureless. And when I go on to the next bit of Colossians, it's me. At one time, you were far away from God. Now, I've just said, God's looking down, he's far away from me. At one time you were far away from God and were his enemies because of the evil things you did and thought. But now, by means of the physical death of his son, God has made you his friend, his friends. I can't fully grasp that. That this ultimate God who created the universe, who goes around this world everywhere, has made me Barry Wales' friend. That is truly awesome. In order to bring you holy, pure, faultless into his presence. If we had a day or two, I could get Louise to come up and point out the odd fault that I might have. And some of you might take longer. But God says, you are, I'm a work in progress. You must, of course, this goes on to say, continue faithful on a firm and sure foundation and must not allow yourselves to be shaken from the hope you gained when you heard the gospel. It's the gospel of this, of this gospel that I, Paul, became a servant. The gospel I preached to everybody in the world. And C.S. Lewis said this. The great thing to remember is that though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. And that actually sums up the relationship I have God with me. Because I do get out the, the wrong side of the bed and have those wobblies. I do occasionally shout at God. I do question this. I do argue this. And I do say, why, Lord? I do say, not quite I don't love you, but I'm struggling with you. God's love doesn't fickle. It's not fickle like me. And when I start reading this theology, this wide expanse of a Bible and this God, when I break it down as an accountant to some simple figures, it helps me with a simple understanding. Many years ago, I was, after I'd spoken, a lady came up to me and said, Barry, what I like about you, you always run yourself down in the service. It makes me feel really good. And I said, well, that's the point of it. And Solomon, wise words, said to me last week, he said, Barry, when you spoke about your hearing age, you told us about your problem and how you're coping. And I love it you speak so simply. I took that as a compliment. But actually, do we not want time to understand the Bible like a child? With that naivety and innocence goes with it. Because when I read that God's love, I've got three kids. I love them to bits most of the time. Um, there was an odd day. Louise is great because she knows how to distract a child and, you know, when they're being naughty. My rule was, go to bed, don't come down for ten years. And I would say this to them. And they just disobeyed me. They came down for dinner. But the fact is, it was hard sometimes loving teenagers. 
my one of my sons, he he got into he was at college and they had a Monday night club where they gave drinks half free, and so he went on with all his mates on a Monday, would come in after 12. And one day I said to him, if you're not back before 12, I am locking the door. Because I couldn't take it anymore. Anyway, so we got to quarter 12 and Louise and Louise, what are you going to do? I'm locking the door. So I locked the door at 12. Went to go to bed and Louise said, you're not going to bed, are you? Quarter three I went to bed. He didn't show up. Seven o'clock, a wife who'd hardly slept said, he's not here. So, I knew he'd gone out with Greg, so I went, got in the car, drove down to Greg's, I don't, I don't know how to dress again, I said, Greg, where's Simon? He said, have you checked the garage? And there on the garage, when I opened the thing, on the chest freezer there was a bed, sleeping bag with my son sleeping in it. I said, Simon, why didn't you come in? You told me you were locking the door. He really pulled the wool over my eyes. And did I love him that minute? There was this doubt of, did he get swapped at birth in the hospital? Did the hospital make a mistake? Did we come out with the wrong child? He hasn't got my eyes or hair. You know, you go, God's love does not change no matter what's going on. Do you not know it says in, oh no, sorry, this, oh, oh flicked on. The most misunderstood passage in the Bible. What's happening here is there was wars going on. There's fighting. Cause it says about, you know, the spears being changed into this farm tool. And God says, basically, will you stop fighting or I'm going to get involved? But we read it differently, like we have. Oh, but be still. And there are times when we're raging inside, God just says, be still and know that I am God. I, I don't have to explain myself, says the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Do you not know? It says in Isaiah 40. Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. For me, that's a very prophetic word. And I cannot fathom his understanding. And I don't mind admitting it. Even as an accountant, with all my high power position of in, the, in a company, I could do anything. The reality is, a Christian, I have so many unanswered questions. I sit and look at scripture, and I realize with my background, I look at things. If you talk to Louise, I can be infuriating at times. I know that's hard to believe, or please. Because I'll say to Louise, if we'll be discussing it, I'll say, Louise, unless you put something else in the equation, this is what I think of, of the subject. Unless you give me something different to, and even elders and deacons, I can be, all, I am awkward. Because I look at it very simply as an accountant. Everybody else just doesn't understand. I have a unique position and view. But when it comes to God, I'm just like you. I struggle at times. But as that said in that very outset, faith is accepting the unanswered questions. I want to leave you with Ephesians 3 because it sums up. Paul says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, I can't even imagine, I can't even measure and put a quantifiable pound sign on the riches of God. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power 
through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit I'm struggling with the Son and God I haven't got to the Holy Spirit the sheer magnitude that God this God and me God has time for me well, after over 50 years of being a Christian I still anime more of that I still can't grasp it say, Lord, you really do accept me. You really love me. And I pray that you, being rooted, as our subject matter is, and established in love, may have power. Established in love. Accepting the love of God. With Louise, I can kiss Louise. We can do things intimately. We are a couple. I can see her love. I can feel it. God's love, I can still feel. It's intimate. It's very personal, the way I experience God. And I don't have the vocabulary or the words to explain what it means for me to have love of God. And it says, you may you have power. Together with all the Lord's holy people, I am part of that holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ infinity means unmeasurable how high how deep how wide how long I can't grasp except it says here and the deep Wide, long, high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The love of God is not dependent on me understanding every aspect of the Bible. It doesn't require that. It just is a fact. The fact that when Louise kisses me, I know she loves me. Even though I may have infuriated her with something. Please don't nod your head, Louise but the fact is God loves me unconditionally with this sheer breadth and size this God who looked down from heaven at the very outset I said saw me and took time to point out through the youth leaders in this church about Christ and I read John 3.16 and I realised there's God and there was me and I gave to life to him. And at the age of 1920, I read those words in Colossians. Never forgotten them because it was the start of my journey learning theology. And still, under, still grasping, God, you love me. And most days I have to say it again, Lord, you love me. You love me. Because I still can't, I'm still like a child with a new toy. God, you love me. I just want to close with a word of prayer. Let's just bow our eyes. Father, I thank you. In all your riches and power and majesty, you saw us, mankind, who you created, and you still fell in love with us. Even the majority of this earth have given up on you. Don't even notice you walking around this earth as you, they seem you're incognito. But Lord, I just know in my life you met me very personally in the back of a car. Lord, 
you put up with my strops, my tantrums, my issues, my personality faults. You never said enough's enough. You never said one day, I can't love this person today. You never gave up, doubted or threw me away. And Father, I just thank you that for each of us here, we know you as a personal God. I thank you, Lord, I can count up to one. I can't imagine this infinite, boundless love you have for me. But Lord, I thank you for it. And I pray, Lord, you'll teach me, Holy Spirit, more and more to be able to lift my hands to praise you, Father. To thank you, Jesus, for what you did. And Lord, if you did those things for me those years before, and I look in the Bible how you did things for your people, Father, and I know where I'm standing today with issues, Lord, in my life, if that's you, then Lord, I ask you to just give me your peace and presence and help me with my struggles today, Father. Remind me of a scripture for my baptism service. Remind me of a scripture that, or a song, Lord, that has just inspired me. Bring them to the forefront of my mind and heart, Lord. Tell me again, Father, that I might hear that you love me. I know you can't physically hug me, but Lord, I want to hear your voice. Tell me again you love me. And I thank you that you do. In Jesus' name. Amen.